Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized companies by designing world-class strategic plans and keeping them accountable to get it done. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. We're really excited. We just recently launched the Captain Strategy course. What is that? It's a group-oriented session. Instead of working with me individually, you'll work in a mastermind-type environment and we'll go through the seven key principles that we talk about at Lost at CEO to help create your strategic plan that you will actually work for you. To learn more, once again, go to 40strategy.com. We'd like to give a thank you to Stephen Pemperton. A shout out. He has been wonderful at giving us great guests like the guests that we have today. His name is Riaz Kanani. He is a serial entrepreneur returning to the B2B world to build a go-to market platform for the new buyer. He is the founder and CEO at Radiate B2B with 20 years of experience in advertising and marketing technology, and he's previously built global video advertising networks, exited his previous startup to Silverpop before expanding it internationally. Riaz, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Great to be here, Carl. So give us a little bit more depth, right? You know, what is Radiate B2B and what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Um, astonishingly, it's been, it's been six years since we started Radiate um, B2B. And um, when I think back uh, as to the reasons why we started it, uh, it sort of it, it illustrates why what we're doing today, I think, is so important. Because six years ago, we, we started to see that um, the way buyers interact with vendors was changing. We, we, my background is in MarTech, so I was looking at it from a marketing standpoint, and we were we were seeing that vendors were um, were spent were having really little time um, with those buyers because now they were much more digitally savvy. Um, you know, they'd grown up with the internet, right, and so they're much more comfortable um, discussing online, um, creating digital content, sharing digital content, and so a lot of insight and knowledge is happening before they even get to the vendor website and a lot of tech up until then was all about picking up you know you might do some advertising um but um all of it was about what happened once they got to the website well if, if that's happening later and also they're delaying converting then as a marketer you've got a, a real challenge and um and so we wanted to address that problem of well how do we get out um, in front of companies that are actually a great fit for you without in the b2b space you know most of us don't have the ability to do big large-scale display campaigns it's, it's not viable um, um, within within our budget so how do we make it so it's more cost effective and achievable in the first place and that's what we set out to do and so radiate today takes that concept we we basically um, can target companies individually with advertising so you don't need to retarget you don't need to them to have touched you we just 
take the list of companies that you want to go out and target and put advertising, either across the internet or across LinkedIn. Fast forward a couple of years, um, what we realized was this problem was also affecting sales. So sales teams were um, much more likely, sales development teams especially, were much more likely to look in a way like marketers. They're no longer just bashing out the calls um, um, to prime drive meetings or sending large emails, right? They are having to do sequences. They're having to um, um, build relationships first before they can even get into um, the, the sales conversation. And so um, we then brought in the ability to listen for signals across the internet that allowed you to, um, to figure out which companies were actually worth paying attention to today. And of course, that ties nicely with the advertising side. So suddenly we can automate campaigns either across the internet or across LinkedIn, but they're continuously reaching companies that actually are interested in hearing what you've got to say. And obviously that drives um, sales pipeline um, and drives revenue for, for businesses. So that's a huge change, right? From what it yeah. was, you know, previously of, of, you know, kind of the traditional get out your message to as many people can, you're even in targeted, you're, you're changing the whole development cycle using the technology to properly match how people are connecting right in there. There's so yes. many, what, what is it? 17, 18 connections that people have to see you before they even know you're aware. And, and I think it's probably more than that today. That was, I think it's a relatively dated piece of information. So Riaz, what, what do we do, right? When it's like that, of, of like, there's so much noise. Yeah, that's right. And we wanted the ability to um, be able to personalize these messages right down to the individual company, right? So that allows you to cut through. Um, it does create some interesting scenarios. We had a, a client, once who said it generated more inbound for us um, initially when we first did this six, seven years ago, six years ago, um, because they got inbounds asking, how on earth have you figured out who we are in the advertising so that we can, um, um, you know, we can put messages in front of our, our prospects sort of thing, which was, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's all about today making sure that you're putting content that is actually valuable and relevant to the recipient. And the problem for most of the market today is, is content marketing. The, the you know All the content that we've been writing over the last decade, um, we all do it. And so there's so much noise in the market. As a buyer, um, they know the minute they share their email address with you, they're going to get bombarded with emails. Um, and, um, and so there's a much higher bar to um, sharing an email address to get content. You've got to have much higher quality content, but that also means that you 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 need to ungate a lot of your content. Of course, if you know who you're targeting and they come to the website, from a, at a company level, you're then able to identify which company is actually reading your content and you obviously can understand what they're reading. And so suddenly you're able to tailor your follow-ups, your messaging after that, and drive more higher quality conversations. And, and likewise, with the intent data that we look at, that allows you to know, okay, find somebody's interested in email marketing, but email marketing is a big space. What is it? that they're interested in? Is it, is it challenges with analytics? Is it a challenge with deliverability? 
is it the strategy of the program you know and so once you know which of the areas a company is particularly spending time on from a messaging standpoint you're able to then um tailor the messaging and of course that cuts through the noise i mean you know um there's a common saying amongst people advertising doesn't work um, and that's because the majority of the time by far the majority of the time advertising doesn't apply to you right, right. An, an advertisement's there your subconscious will consume it because it's in front of you but you won't consciously acknowledge it because it's not relevant to you at that point in time but if you are thinking about that particular topic and there's an advert in front of you you see it and so um, immediately you are therefore able to identify at the very earliest stage when companies are starting to show an interest in an area that actually you can help them with. I think that example right there was perfect in, in terms of, you know, you don't tend to notice things until you're interested. And so if you're, for example, looking to buy a new Tesla, all of a sudden everything on the road is a Tesla, right? <laughs> you know, it's so and, true. And, and, and so it's the same thing with this advertising, right? Is, is being able to properly target market towards the right people so they can actually see things. You brought up something interesting. Remember, this is quite a while ago, but it's actually right at the period of time when you opened up your business. And I remember I was arguing with some of our sales team and actually in some of our marketing folks, and they were saying, mm -hmm. well, we got like a Gmail account, so they're not really serious. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 you missed, you missed out on that. They don't want their garbage to go into their normal email, but they're still interested right? Yep. They're still interested in information. So how do you help people understand that, right? Of like, not all all email alias is a bad email alias. That's right. That's right. And it, a lot of what we do um, is about identifying intent before they even get to that point. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. We um, um, had an inbound from one of the biggest technology companies on the planet. They submitted a Gmail um, email address, um, and, and we we I followed up within an hour of, of the submission, and um, I got an email back going, "You are the only technology company who actually responded to us. Wow. Everybody else ignored it." Um, but there was a sneaky thing there. I knew who the company was because I could identify them beforehand, and it all tied together. So we we knew that this particular company was showing intent for um and for what we were doing. And so therefore um we would have replied anyway. We always reply. Um you just never know who is on the other side of an email address. Yeah, I think that's one of the great right. I'm glad you shared that example, right? Of of, of something that I think people still miss. They think, oh, they're not serious because they gave a Gmail account. It's like, no, they just once again, they don't want to clutter their normal in inbox, right? That's right. You know, with with thing, and I, I do that often, right? I I still have an AOL account, Ross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I do I, somewhere <laughs> <laughs> that I use for that purpose. I literally but, use it for yeah, that yeah. purpose, you know. Yeah. And it's like, what? It, does it even still work anymore? Yeah, believe it or not, I actually AOL yeah. still works. Um, and unfortunately, the dial-up part, uh, I don't have to go through anymore to get to it. But it's yeah. it's fascinating that stuff. So. What surprises people when you start working with somebody that they didn't expect? I think the thing that surprises people the most about us, 
and I try to get this across um, it, when we're initially having the conversations is we're designed for smaller mid-sized businesses that sell to enterprise. Almost everybody in the MarTech space wants to go up market. They want to go to enterprise. We want to service the small mid-sized businesses that sell to enterprise. And so the platform is built with that in mind. And so the thing that surprises people is often, oh, it's that easy. That's what I need. And, and I don't need to go through a whole load of hoops to get to the answer that I want. That, you know, we make it very simple and very easy for people to get to the information they need that then allows them to either to follow up or um, act on. And that's probably the biggest thing. Um, and maybe I could do a better job of working with the sales team around communicating that better. But we do say it. But... That's good. So you had a previous story to all this, right? You had previous company mm -hmm. successfully launched it, sold it, right? Yep. And you you got to take some time off, right? And and kind of experience the success of being an entrepreneur. Isn't that correct? Um yes and no. Um, um I, I I think there was a conversation that I had with my two co-founders, I think three or four months in to that company starting. And we joked about what would happen um, if we, when we sold the business and um, um, made enough money that you could do what you wanted with. Um, and two out of the three of us were like, I just want to do the next, I, I just want to do the next thing. Right, whatever the next thing happens to be. But the one thing I'm certain is the next thing is not me sitting on a beach relaxing um, and, and you know, um, not doing very much. Um, whereas the third entrepreneur, uh, the third co-founder was like, you guys are mad. I'm going to sit back, relax, enjoy the world, etc." And, you know, maybe he was the one who, who was um, correct out of the three of us. Though, fast forward to today and all three of us have been busy building uh, multiple companies. So so um, I, I, I didn't take a break. I thought I would take a break, um, but in reality, um, what happened was I dove in um, and instead of building another business myself, I helped another business, but actually I went and did an exec MBA on the side as my way of my way of changing the environment to give me a different frame on things. Um, and actually that changed my outlook quite a bit. Um, um, I, I, at that point had said I wouldn't do any more startups. Uh, I'd get out of my tech. Um, I'd stop traveling quite so much. Um, and fast forward a couple of years and I basically decided to go back to the startup world and build new businesses again. So that was probably the break that wasn't really a break, but. No, I, I, I think, um, you know, what you described there is such a common um, change, right? Is that the people think like one of your partners did is I'm done. I'm out. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm no longer. And you even had an interesting scenario. There's, there's a few times where I've actually met a few people who don't ever have to work theoretically, never have to work again a day in their life. And um, they all were, th there were three all together. And because they ended up creating a community of doing other stuff, they mm -hmm. 
maintained being a, a new sense of busyness and purpose. So they didn't go back to work, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. they found that. And, and so you technically would have had that, like if all three of you would have decided to go down that path. But what you did, was, which is frankly much more common, is that you know part of our purpose is making a difference in yes. the yeah. technology yeah. and serving clients and helping to do the things that they do. That's the joy, right? Regardless of how much money that's in our bank account. And I always love to bring this up and I appreciate you, bringing, you talking about your story, Raz, because there are often so many people are like, oh, I just need to get to X dollar amount and then I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. It's never about the dollar amount. It's always about the journey. Yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, right? Because it's like, of course, when somebody doesn't have it, they're like, no, no, it's really about the money. And once I get the money, it's like, no, the reality is if you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy once you get that money. I mean, you might yeah. might have, you just have bigger problems, but um and yes, you might be able to buy a few more things that you wouldn't have to, and perhaps have a few more nice vacations that you didn't have beforehand. But it doesn't necessarily mean you won't be happier, right? You know, in terms of that part. And I, I appreciate you saying it's that journey, which is a part of the importance. So, so where I'm kind of curious for you, going back to your current company, Radiate, what trends are you seeing now that you think is going to have a significant change? So really, well, let's talk about generative AI. Okay. Just for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How much is that impacting your business? I know it's impacting the overall marketing world, right? Sure. But how is it, how are you applying that to your business? We spend a lot of time looking at chat GPT more specifically. We've been um, on the, the beta program of that for a few years now. Um, and I think the, the really interesting thing to me is the potential, right? I, I don't think, I think what we're seeing here right now is, is really the first iteration. Um, and, and in some ways, I think, I think back to the days of search on the internet in the in the 90s right and how they looked and worked at day one and how um over time and and you know i remember the stories google google was in trouble right google was you know, there were negative stories out about google can't figure out its 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 model you know how's it going to make money um and then suddenly um they blew it out of the water of course and and in some ways, I think that is the same thing that's happening here. Um, is you know, okay, great, this is brilliant, but how do we how do we make sure that there's diversity of opinion? How do we make sure that um, the biggest players in the market don't automatically suck up all the output from these programs? Um, and so there's lots of nuance here that I think we're going to learn and we're learning really, really quickly. I mean, actually, I think at this point in time, some aspects of the technology has now gone ahead of where we actually are from a lot of the, the data AI capabilities. So, you know, this idea of automating chat GPT to do complex tasks is quite clearly brilliant. I mean, you know, if you, if you can, plan out, you can get AI to plan out your, um, you know, your big project of, of extending your house or something, right, which 
is not a small thing or, or building a new website. Um, you know, that is amazing. But today, most of the output you get from these general, gen, um, generational AI platforms um, is not good enough yet. It'll get there. I have no doubt. It'll be creative enough. It will be um, sophisticated enough. Um, it'll get things wrong. Um, but that's not a problem um, because you shouldn't be blindly. I actually, again, I think it's a good thing. If if everything that some that the AI tells you, you assume to be true and correct, that's a dangerous place for us to be. So it's much better that we're always going to take the answers from these programs as being directional. Okay, let's go and fact check this or or um, make sure this is actually what we should do. Um, so we're still using our brain power. From a, from a how it affects radiate standpoint, I think it's going to bring great opportunities for us over time. We're we're very very focused on what we do, though. Um, you know, we're really all about helping companies at top of the funnel, um, and at the moment, that's primarily around bringing data in that you know make it very easy for sales to read that data and to activate it. And so, there's quite obviously places in that first part where we can really help sales teams. Um, by using those sorts of capabilities. Um, but overall, for marketing as a whole, I really don't think we're there yet um, in terms of knowing what the big changes are going to be. Um, probably the first biggest change is um, we need to treat it like another SEO situation. Um, if people are going to go to these tools and ask questions, we better make sure we we show up just like we did in search, right? Um and so that's the immediate need. Uh, yeah. But there'll be yeah. more. There'll be lots more. Yeah, no, exciting. it's really really yeah, and no, it's super exciting. I mean, it's it's um I think one of the I think that I love that comparison that you said comparing back to the early search days, right? Remember when Yahoo, right, used to be one of the, the things, right? right? That's where people go to. And, and yeah, it's yeah. like, wow, because that was a major revolutionary change when it first came out. And then of course, yeah. Google ended up crushing them ultimately. But it was, uh, there was this period of time where there wasn't true good interface, right? It was still like HTML almost. It felt like, you know, when you're looking and trying to search through information and really slow and tons of ads, and it was just really painful. And, and then all of a sudden somebody figured it out. And I agree with you where, uh, generative AI is going to be the same type of experience, right? Where there's going to be this early growth stage where some people will be able to take early advantage of it. But what we'll see in the next few years is going to explode, you know, right? The opportunities. And it, I think it's 10, 100 X. I, I don't even think you can, we can measure, right? The impact yeah. that there's going to be right now, which is, I think, really exciting as well, uh, hearing about that. Okay. So let's move to the personal side. Um, really curious. I'm always curious about the habits, right? Of people who have, at CEO, you know, leadership positions and, and like in your case, successfully grew, sold a company, started another company, you know, actively growing that business. What type of habits do you do on a consistent basis so you can perform at your mm. best level? I I love this question because I obviously see a lot on the internet, especially LinkedIn, about yeah, you should get up at five in the morning and and you know go for a run and do all these sorts of things, um, and I don't do any of that. Um, I really don't. Uh, there's two things for me that I think are most important 
I say two things. Let me start with the first. The first one is to be self-aware. And by being self-aware, I mean taking the time to reflect, not just on whatever work stuff you're doing, but actually to reflect on yourself. Um, and if you understand yourself, you understand what you need to do, and you can then act on that. Um, and, and for me, that's been by far the most important thing. So if I know I need to take some time out, take some time out. I know I need to go for a walk, go for a walk. Um, you know, if I, it is that self-awareness I think is most important to me. I, I'm not a morning person. So the whole 5am thing for me is, is largely relevant for me. I'm a night person. So, um, you know, the big challenge for me is that if I'm awake at 2am, I'm probably awake till 6am. And so there's a big danger for me if I stay up beyond 2am because um, I then won't sleep. Um, that can be good. It can be bad. Um, and so, again, understanding yourself. So that's probably the number one most important thing. Um, the second thing that I think um, I always flag is, again, is, is knowing your your why. And I've only really in probably, I don't know how many years, certainly, but certainly the last three, four years, probably, um, been able to, to verbalise this. I've always known it, but I've never really been able to, to, to describe it. And um, it's this idea of understanding your why. So I've always known about you know, Simon Sinek's why uh, for the business and I've used it countless times for businesses to figure out what's our positioning and, and how do we fit in the market um, but I'd never applied it to myself um, and mostly that's because from a very young age I always knew what were the things that I wanted to focus on um, even if I couldn't describe them I knew and so therefore when I got into computing, when I got online, um, I innately knew that this was what I wanted to do. And that immediately meant that you know, for the first, I, I guess, 10 years of my career, probably not even that, probably maybe the first seven, eight years, um, I knew, well, I, in fact, I, I, I'd sort of, I think the words is that I, I basically felt I was playing, right? It was for me leisure time rather than work. And that was because I was doing stuff that was just innately interesting to me, right? I was um, growing with the internet. I was able to take advantage of new technology. I'd get be able to get access to new technology. I think, and honestly, I think that's one of the best things about the internet today and, and there's been a couple of points in time in the last decade when we've been very very close to losing that openness the the rise of facebook the rise of linkedin you know, these are closed walled gardens and this idea that innovation should happen behind closed doors and be controlled is extremely damaging to the world i think um and by opening it up you allow people who may not be connected well enough to be able to take part in these things if it was behind closed doors everyone can take part everyone can get involved everyone can grow with it and therefore innovation accelerates 
as well. And so, you know, that was it for me. And then, and then, um, and then I had to learn because then once we exited the business, um, the world was not quite in my control so much anymore. Um, and I had to play the tune of somebody else. Um, um, but I was lucky there as well in that I realized, you know, my story, if you like, at that time was that I loved to build things. And so rather than focus on building products, I focused on building departments or functions or capabilities within the business. Um, and so that became my story for a while. And that's how I, so that's that's my routine is I create stories for myself that allow me to um, execute in business language. <laughs> Oh, Riaz, I really appreciate you sharing that because we do have crazy achievers that come onto here, you know, um, like Cameron Doran, for example, who mm-hmm. has run, I think his 10th consecutive or ninth consecutive Boston Marathon as an example. Wow. And he just did a world record, you know, step up challenge. And we have these crazy high achievers and I love it because they motivate me. But what you described is what's important is we're not all build that, built that way. We're not all built to do that crazy high achievement stuff or to wake up at 5 a.m. because that's just not where our natural uh, biorhythms are, right? We literally are more effective at night versus other people. Not to say that we can't change our habits, but it's when you're naturally more towards a certain way and you have your creative juices flowing at 2 a.m., right? And, And you're just crushing it. Why would we want to hold that back from the world, right? Of, That's of right. what you're being able That's to create right. and do for it. So I appreciate you sharing that because I think sometimes we do get caught up in like, you have to do this, you have to do that. But I think what you said there is knowing your own story and how then you can apply whatever principles and whatever best practices. That's once again, I always like to ask the question, you know, how you measure success and how you do these habits because they're not all the same for all people. We have to adapt to what fits best for us and, right. and to be mindful, like once again, of who you are, as you were mentioning through there, like really, and, and, and understanding why. So let me ask kind of on both sides, because I didn't ask the initial question on the business side, but let's kind of business and personal we'll go back to back. Mm-hmm. How do you measure success in business? And then, and then I want to just flip it right over and you could follow with, how do you measure success in your personal life? From the business side, um, uh, I, I'm a big believer in planning, both on both sides, business and personal. Um, we do three-year and one-year planning, so directionally for three years, obviously much more high level, and then more detail for one year. And so we measure ourselves against that criteria. And um, how you measure, I think, needs to change according to where you happen to be as a business. Um, so for us right now, we care a lot about um, you know, the growth in, in customer base, the growth in MRR or AR, ARR, so annual recurring revenue. Um, we also care about churn um, and pay attention um, to that. Um, so, so from a business side, that's important to us. Um, from a personal side, I tend to think more longer term. So I don't do three year and one year for personal. I tend to um I tend to think more directionally about um where I'm going next. And that could be a 10 year um not plan, but um journey. 
if you like. And what I find is that when I plan for 10 years out, I typically am able to get there much quicker, um, mm -hmm. which is nice. Um, and also makes you feel good, which of course creates momentum, which further helps you, which is why I do it. Um, and then, and then um, I typically think about the next 12 months in terms of how I want to change my focus. So I broadly think about things in buckets of, um, okay, so within the business, I need to achieve this. Um, um, I spent this much time doing these sorts of things, charitable things or mentoring things. Um, um, and this year, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give some more time to this particular um, aspect. And so that shifts and changes um, accordingly. Because I think you are what you spend your time um, and when you are starting a business, it's very, very difficult to spend time on almost anything else other than the business. Um, and so you have to consciously make a decision um, not to. And generally, I find that's usually beneficial to me if I do manage to do that. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I appreciate I appreciate your thoughtful answers to that. All right. So love to ask what is a book that really inspired you that you'd like to share with our audience um i think there's a couple um and these are more current um right now i i read a lot um and they, they all tend to merge somewhat but i but i there's a couple of things that i think makes me who i am um which is that I'm very focused on the behavior of people. Um, it's probably why I ended up in marketing. Um, and it won't surprise you to know that I'm also very focused on technology. And so put two and two together, you get MarTech, which is where I am, right? Um, but the thing that always intrigued me, I mean, I, I did an engineering degree, so I'm, I'm very logical. Um, I, I look at things as being right, what is the path, what are the steps? Um, but what I learned very early on is that most people um, behave illogically. Um, and it was always one of my bugbears with economics. You know, economics believes the entire world is logical. And of course, we all know it's not. And so I spend a lot of time reading about behavioral economics. Um, and so one of my favorite books at the moment um, is The Choice Factory. Um, which is a book by, I'm going to look at it to make sure I get it right, Richard Shotton, um, which looks at how people um, um, act and behave and how you can change messaging and the like accordingly. And then the other one is a book called Drive, which is a similar thing, but thinking about it more about people in everyday lives um, um, by uh, Richard Pink, I think it is, Daniel Pink. Daniel Pink, Daniel Pink yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, good, good, good choices there. And no, I appreciate sharing that. So Riaz, how can people, um, people may not aware, I love this, the the beauty of Zoom. You, you are based in England, but you serve, I believe, clients all throughout the world. Um, That's right. Um, how can people connect and, and reach out, learn more about you and your company? The best way is LinkedIn. I spend most of my time today on LinkedIn. It's the um, best place, I think, for marketers today to hang out there's lots of great conversations happening there and therefore that's why yeah. 
Perfect. Okay. And so Riaz, thank you so much for being a guest on the Medicine podcast today. No, thank you. Thanks for the invite. I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's been fun. Absolutely. And to everyone else who's listening, we hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Raz is truly one of the experts in Mark Tech, uh, you know, really combining using wonderful marketing concepts, but using the te technology to actually make it work. And so I encourage you to go out, learn more about Radiate B2B and go out directly with Riaz Kanani on LinkedIn. And from that, as we always like to say, wishing you the very best and measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.